0: you ever notice sometimes in families, these conversation windows open up, you have these most amazing conversations, and sometimes they just close again. When I was 11, I was having dinner with my mother. And for some reason, we started talking about the future. And I talked about, I guess this was 1977, and I talked about what I saw coming in the 21st century. And I remember a couple of things. You know, pretty standard stuff, vacations on the moon, cure for cancer. And I remember talking about how I thought we would have magnetic subways, like subways where the cars floated on magnets and could go super fast. And that sort of was the future for me, a world of boundless and endless possibilities and creativity and technology and cures and so on. And I grew up in London, you know, they say you can't go home again. Sometimes that's more true than other times. The London Mayor, Sadiq Khan, said just the other day that, you see, he wants to ban cars from certain areas in Parliament Square. Why? Because there was a suspected terror attack the day before. What happened? Well, three people were injured after police say that a car smashed into a number of cyclists and pedestrians and then crashed into the diversity barriers that line the houses of Parliament. So you can't control your borders, you can't control immigration, you can't push back against hate preachers, you can barely seem to control the third worlders who come in and rape hundreds of thousands of little white British girls, so the theory is that you ban cars, you see. And you can see London, sometimes it feels like the West as a whole, we've reached sort of the tip of the arc of future possibilities. And now, in London, you don't get a cure for cancer, you don't get vacations on the moon, you don't get magnetic subway cars that can go 500 miles an hour. Now, you don't even get cars. This comes out of a fundamental misunderstanding that has been well-planted, well-curated, well-cultivated, well-seeded for many, many decades. And the fundamental misdiagnosis of Europe looking across at high U.S. crime rates and saying, ah, you see, the problem is that America has lots of guns, and that's why there are shooting deaths in America. That's why the homicide rate is so high in America. It's because of the guns, you see. So if we ban guns, we're going to get rid of murder. And this is a fundamental misdiagnosis that results from not being able to talk about different crime rates among different ethnicities. Half the murders in America are committed by a very tiny percentage of the population. Close to half the murders are committed by a couple of percentage points of young, white, black males. These are just facts. And I've gone into, you can look at my statistics, the truth about crime. You can look at my interviews with Dr. Kevin Beaver. There's lots of reasons going into this. It ain't racism for the most part. But this is what happened. Whites around the world, whether you're talking about... uh, The uh, outback in Australia, whether you're talking about Belgium, whether you're talking about uh, New York City, uh, whites commit rates of murder, outside of war, of course, uh, private rates of murder at about the same rate. And black crime rates are extraordinarily high. East Asian crime rates are lower even than white crime rates. So what happened was Europe looked at America and said, wow, a lot of shooting. So what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of guns because that was considered to be the cause of the shooting, but it's not. It's not. And we know this, because London is dying as a result of this fundamental error. So, what's going on in London? The latest statistics show that police-recorded crime is up 11% to 5.5 million incidents. Now, some of the increases for some of the most serious offenses are up even higher And with that tidal wave of crime comes a complete inability to process or deal with the vast majority of it. See, crime is only actionable in a relatively free society when it remains at very low rates. Once it gets to a high enough rate, well, the sandcastle of civilization can only stand against a tsunami of crime for but an instant. Prosecutions and out-of-court disposals have collapsed by 7%. To the lowest total number since records began in 1970. And uh, of course, there are budget cuts. And why are there budget cuts? Because you have to pay for mass migration, for welfare, for healthcare, for additional language services in healthcare and for education, and you name it. So, of course, there are budget cuts, but There are these massively complex crimes that take huge amounts of resources to prosecute, like child grooming, sexual exploitation, child rape, and so on. And those are expensive and time-consuming and have been going on since the 80s, 1980s. And people have avoided trying to prosecute these for many decades for fear of being called racist. Because, you see, apparently a two-syllable word trumps the survivability and mental health of hundreds of thousands of little white British girls. Police Federation boss John Apter recently said, and I quote, we are moving into an area where some crimes will not be investigated, whereas two to five years ago they were. In in those cases, he said, we are failing the public. The public are already suffering, and they're going to suffer more and more. Hmm. The UK Statistical Authority has pushed back against London Mayor Sadiq Khan for using figures to say, well, London's violent crime wave isn't that bad. But no, London has dramatically increasing rates of violent crime. We got knife attacks and moped attacks, where you attack someone and speed off in a moped. Never happened when I was a kid. <clears throat> Never. I, I could wander the neighborhood as a child. <clears throat> this is back in the day of free-range childhood. I remember being five, six, seven, eight years old, wandering the neighborhood, finding people to play with in the glorious anarchy of spontaneous play as children, and never fearing for any of that. Well, what did happen was right before I left to Canada. Uh, I was going to visit the Royal, well, the the the, um, the War Museum, and was robbed by a bunch of black. Uh, youth, and uh, then we left left England. (sighs) Moped-enabled crime is up by an estimated 2,138% in some parts of London over recent years. (sighs) 24,294 reported offences. 643 of them were resolved over a rolling 12-month period. Less than 3%, less than 3% resolved. And, uh, yeah, some of these are very, very violent. <laughs> one one example, stabbing a man in his 50s over a Bible. A Bible. Very interesting. You see, you've got to get these little titbits out of things. A Bible. Why would somebody stab somebody over a Bible? The Bible has a New Testament in it, so it's probably not a Christian. See if you can read these tea leaves. Another phrase I never imagined associating with London, acid attacks. In 2017, 465 of them recorded, up from 395 in 2016 and 255 in 2015. See the line? These acid attacks have increased increased sixfold over six years. Where, where does this go? See, when they said diversity was a strength, I don't think they were referring to the strength of the acid being thrown into people's faces. Recently, the Sunday Times looked at the crime rates of London and New York. New York, of course, famously known for its uh, criminal activity and found that for the first time in at least modern history, the murder rate in London was higher than the murder rate in New York. So that's the reality. That's the reality of where you are. London is dying. Now London was considered one of the great and glorious cities of the world in the same way that Paris is dying. There was an old saying that said when you're tired of London you are tired of life. It was a glorious seat of enlightenment, a glorious seat of art and culture, philosophy, literature as a whole, art, uh, visual arts and so on. And now you have third worlders scooting around, stabbing people with Bibles and throwing acid in people's faces. This experiment is a disaster we all know that right we, we this experiment of import the third world for what for why who wants it who who voted for it who who likes it of course people from the third world like it of course right but there is no magic soil the cultivation of the british character took thousands of years It cannot be replicated by simply burrowing your way into the country. And you just have to think about it yourself. It it is a strange lack of empathy that is driving this delusion. Imagine if you are suddenly transported for some reason into some sun-baked African village in the middle of nowhere. How long would it take for you to be fully absorbed into that culture Can you imagine how long that would take? It wouldn't happen in your lifetime. It might happen a little bit more in your children's lifetime. But especially if you're a different race, there's always going to be some kind of barrier that way in that village. We can see this. I mean, albinos in Africa are killed as evil. It's not that complicated to figure these things out. Diversity is a strength for those who wish to destroy a culture, destroy a country, destroy a people's history, destroy the integrity of a nation. Diversity is a strength because third-worlders who come to first-world countries tend to vote overwhelmingly for the left, for socialism. So it is a strength electorally. It is a strength if you hate freedom-lovers, but for the countries that have been so laboriously and bloodily forged from the furnaces of history. It seems worse than a weakness. Talking about London. It seems like diversity could do what war could not. maybe even vanish it. Completely.